The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. All right, good morning, Coastal. Uh, If you would, go ahead and take a seat. My name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and today we're going to conclude our summer reading sermon series. Uh, For the past few weeks, we've been looking at different books uh, written by Christian authors, some of them even pastors, and uh, using those books to have a spiritual conversation uh, here on Sunday morning and uh, see what the Bible says uh, to our lives. Today's book is Divine Mentor, uh, written by Wayne Cordero. And uh, this is a a book that we first read as a staff, and uh, as we began going through it as a staff, we began to say, you know, this would make a really good book for our summer reading series, so uh, we put it out there for you all uh, to join with us and to read. The, The Divine Mentor is very simple. The Divine Mentor is the Bible. Think about the Bible for a moment. Uh, In God's mysterious plan, he decided that it would be best that Jesus would die on the cross, raise from the dead, ascend into heaven, and leave this place. I often wonder, why didn't Jesus just continue to live on with us here today? Why not have the Holy Spirit and Jesus continuing to roam the earth and prove that he's the Savior? Instead, God gave us the Holy Spirit, but also a divine mentor through the Bible. Where else, where else can we learn from men and women that God has used since the beginning of time? We can learn from their struggles, their victories, their faults, their success, their wisdom, their stupidity, their sin, their righteousness. It's all contained right there in the Bible as our divine mentor that God has given us. Here's some interesting facts about the Bible. In the past 50 years alone, the Bible has sold more than 3.9 billion, billion with a B, copies. The best-selling and fastest-growing version of the Bible in the U.S. is the New International Version. More than 66,000 people are using a Bible app at any given second. Three people share a Bible verse on their social media network every second as well. As a matter of fact, the the Bible is in more languages than Facebook. 92% of Americans own at least one Bible. The average American Christian owns nine Bibles and wants to buy more. Over 6 billion Bibles have been printed, and over 168,000 Bibles are given away every day. As a matter of fact, if you're in need of a Bible, you can go back to our prayer and decision area and pick up a free Bible. We'll give it to you today. With all of, that, all of those interesting facts about the Bible, all the things that we know as Christians about the Bible, I need to tell you a lie that you've been, you've been learning, a lie that you and I sometimes have been believing. And this just isn't a lie that affects some of us in this room. More than likely, every single one of us has believed this lie at some point or another. If you've ever picked up the Bible, if you've ever touched it, you've probably believed this lie. It's not written in the Bible, but it's often believed. So here it is. Want to know what it is? It's this. It's that I should feel guilty for not reading the Bible. I should feel guilty for not reading the Bible. That's the lie. Has that ever happened to you? You know that you should read the Bible more. You want to read the Bible more. As a matter of fact, when you've 
found out that this message is about the Bible, you began to feel guilty already about not reading the Bible like you, you would like to, then you go to actually read it and you feel even more guilt. The very tool that God gave us to get to know him more, the book that God has given us for wisdom, truth, knowledge, and when we feel guilty, it, begin, it begins to be the very thing that separates us from God. Here's what Jesus said. This is why this lie is so prevalent in John 10.10. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This enemy is stealing your joy. This enemy is stealing my joy from reading God's word. The enemy is destroying the tool that God has given us to grow in our relationship. Think about it. The Bible wasn't popularized until 1436 with the Gutenberg Press, the printing press. So, I mean, it wasn't until then that people actually began to have a copy of the Bible until the printing press was invented. So what did Christians do before they had a personal copy of the Bible? Let me share this truth with you. The truth is, God never intended, never planned, never intended for me or you to feel guilty for not reading the Bible. It's interesting, that very thing, that very tool, this tool, this divine mentor that, that God has given us to draw us closer to him, that is that thing that sometimes, because of our own guilt, we allow to be a divide, cause our guilt in our life to not spend time with him. Consider it this way. For those of us who are married, uh, maybe the, even you're, you're dating, uh, or, or even parents. Think of it this way. You don't spend time with your spouse. You don't spend time with your significant other or your kids out of guilt. You never do that. I mean, now, guilt can be a motivator. I mean, sometimes when I travel and I go out of town and I get back, it's like, okay, I, I really need to invest in my wife. I need to invest in my daughters. I need to spend time with them. But I do that because of the love that I have for them. Guilt is never the motivator that God intended for us to have when it comes to our relationship with him. We don't come before God and say, okay, God, here I am. I'm guilty. Now let's spend, spend time together. Instead, we say, God, here I am because of my love for you. That's the relationship that God wants us to have. Not out of guilt or compulsion, but out of our love, out of our desire out of our desire to get to know him, out of our desire to love him more, out of our desire to have him in our lives, out of our desire to have him mentor us. That is our divine mentor. Think about the word mentor for a moment. What does a mentor do? I've had a number of mentors over, over my life, and I began to think, you know, what, is, what are all the commonalities that my mentors have, have done for me? Well, a mentor shares knowledge and life experiences. A, a, a mentor provides guidance and advice. A mentor listens. A, men, a mentor often uh, offers encouragement, is genuinely interested in your questions and concerns, is open and honest, explores different options, discusses goal setting, advises on professional direction, identifies resources, helps to develop leadership skills provides insights, can provide exposure and, uh, and visibility, 
advises on networking and networking opportunities, provides tips, coaches, supports, introduces you to others. It's the very thing that God intended for Scripture to do for us. All of those ways to be coached, to be mentored, to introduce us to other men and women of faith throughout history. That's the role of the mentor. Mentor is someone who allows you to see the hope inside yourself. So if the lie we've been told is to fill this and experience this guilt, what does the Bible say about itself? And what does this divine mentor have for you and I today? John 5, 39, Jesus said, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. What's Jesus saying there? Jesus is actually saying, hey, listen, you're searching the scriptures for all of this, for eternal life, but eternal life is found in me. It's not found in the scriptures. It's found in me. The scriptures are not the source of eternal life. Jesus is that source. And the scriptures, though, introduce us to Jesus. The scriptures build this bridge for us to have this interaction with Jesus so that we can accept him as the leader of our life, so that we can see what God has done through his life and through the lives of men and women. As a matter of fact, in our membership class, we teach that the Bible is God's word to us. It was written by human authors under the supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit. It is the supreme source of truth for Christian beliefs and living. It's inspired by God. It is the truth without any mixture or error. So what does the Bible say about itself when it comes to God's plan for having a relationship with us? That God gave us this divine mentor so that he could interact with us, so that he could show us all of his promises, so that he could show us the life that he desires for us to live. What does the Bible actually say about itself? Take out your outline and let's follow along the fill in there, it says, my Bible was meant to guide, not guilt. I've been in the coaching business for the past 10 years. I've had a hand in, in coaching thousands of pastors over that period of time. And it's actually how Pastor Chris and I first met and developed a friendship. Time and time again, I've seen it. People drop out of coaching because they feel guilty for not applying or using the coaching. And we do the same thing. When we come to be mentored and coached by God's word, we begin to drop out. We, we begin to uh, abandon that because we've not been utilizing God's word in our life. We've not been applying God's word. We, we'll say things like this. We'll say, uh, we, don't, we don't attend church like we should. I've talked with some people and, you know, as I tell them that, you know, I'm a pastor and I do all these things and everything, they say, well, yeah, but I, I don't attend church like I should. I don't read the Bible like I should. And then what happens is they have this sense of guilt. You know what those statements have? You know, all, the, all the commonalities in those statements, it's like, I should. I don't do that like I should. I don't do that like I should. I don't pray like I should. I don't attend church like I should. I don't do these things like I should. Like, as if there is some sort of uh, 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 some sort of level that we need to achieve or to attain like we should. Nowhere in the Bible does God tell us how often we should read the Bible. If anything, Jesus says this. 
In John chapter 12, verses 47 through 48, he says, If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. Circle that. I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For you and I, as Christ followers, as people who have accepted the grace and forgiveness of Jesus into our lives. He says, I don't judge you. I I want you to know today that regardless of your sin, regardless of where you're at in your relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you have no judge. Next, my Bible is meant to encourage, not tear down. My Bible is meant to encourage, not tear down. When's the last time you you picked up God's word? You picked up this divine mentor and you said, God, I'm just gonna come to you to be encouraged. I'm just gonna come to you to be encouraged. I, I want you to pour this courage into my life. I want you to lift me up. I want you to build me up. I just wanna spend some time with you. That's the God we have. Think about it from God's perspective of how much God is longing to spend time with us. Of all of the circumstances that we've experienced this past week, of all of the trials and temptations and everything that we've gone through this past week, God is saying, I am looking forward to just encouraging you, to building you up. Romans 15.4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Going through a difficult time? Looking to have circumstances different in your life? Looking to rise above and experience the fullness of the purpose that God is giving your life? Allow this divine mentor to just pour that encouragement into you. Allow God to interact with you through the divine mentor of the scriptures, of the Bible, to make your life something that it could never be on your own. Next, my Bible is meant to teach, not debate. Did you know that uh, the Bible actually tells us not to argue with other people about the Bible? Let's let's do this. When I was a little kid uh, in kindergarten, I grew up in South Georgia, so every now and then, like, my really southern South Georgia slang can come out, almost like if I'm, like, from Alabama or something like that. Not South Carolina by any means. But we used to play this game in kindergarten where it was like, nuh-uh. Like, somebody would say, you know, you're fat or you're ugly, and you'd say, nuh-uh, and they would say, yes, you are, and you'd say, nuh-uh, and then you would say, yes, you are. And it's like, you know, it just goes back and forth until finally somebody says, you are. Tables are turned. Nuh-uh. So I want you to do this. I want you to turn to the person next to you in, in your most obnoxious southern drawl. Southern, southern drawl. Turn to the person next to you and say, nuh-uh. Ready? One, two, three. Oh. We've got some southern people here today. See, I can say that. I was also born in Pittsburgh, so I've got a little bit of both inside of me. But that's what God sees. That's what God sees. He sees his children 
arguing over the Bible, petty stuff, arguing back and forth, back and forth, his own children. So he intervened and he said, listen, don't do this. And how did he intervene and tell us not to do this? Well, it's in Titus 3.9. He says, avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Our Bible is meant to teach us, not puff us up with knowledge so that we can debate. You know, if, if you're scrolling through Facebook and somebody says something about, about the Bible or something like that, and you're thinking, oh, no, no, that's completely wrong, and then all of a sudden, like, you become a big student of God's Word. Like, you open up your Bible app, you open up your, and you're, you're finding all of the verses where they're wrong. And you're using it to debate. That's not what the divine mentor was meant for. That's not what the scriptures were meant for. That's not what God intended for us to do with his, with his word. He meant for his word to teach us for life change, to help us live a life that is different, help us live a life that is powerful, not on our strength, but on the strength of God. My Bible is meant to correct not make me miserable. My Bible was meant to correct, not make me miserable. We've all been there as parents where we have to correct our children. And they say, you know, all you're doing is making my life miserable. And they don't quite understand yet what, what it is that we're doing. And we're, no, we're just trying to correct. We're just trying to redirect, not make miserable. Second Peter Chapter 1, verses 3 through 4 says, His divine power has given, us, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Circle those two words, divine nature. So that you and I may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. God's divine power has given us everything we need. We enter into this relationship with Jesus Christ and with God. And we lay down our sin. And he washes us clean. And he doesn't just send us out on this life to live a life on our own. He doesn't say, okay, I've now forgiven you. I, I, I've, I've made your life whole. I, I've given you eternal life in heaven. Now go do the best you can. That's not what Jesus does. That's not God's plan for you. He says, hey, listen, I've given you everything you need. I have taken away your sin. I've given you the hope of heaven. You don't have to live this life on your own anymore. I'm going to give you tools. I'm going to give you resources. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you gifts of the Spirit. I'm going to give you fruit of the Spirit. You do not have to live life on your own. You and I can interact together and live this life by my divine power so that as we live this life together with Jesus, we are experiencing his divine nature. Everything we need. Everything. We're able to participate with God in this life. Seeking his divine power at work. And God's divine nature in our, in our own lives. Next, our, my Bible is meant to direct, not dictate. 
My Bible was meant to direct, not dictate. God's not sitting up in heaven on, you know, some throne dictating our lives. He's not sitting up there saying, hey, here's everything exactly as I want you to do it. Instead, God says, I've given you a personality. I've given you talents. I've given you abilities. I've given you a soul that I've created with you that you are unique, set apart from any other person in this world. You're different. I'm not going to dictate your life. I'm going to help direct your life. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs uh, from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. This message that God has given us isn't something being projected down upon us. Instead, the, the Bible says it's to... Dwell among us. Let the message of Christ dwell among us. Not some dictator on a throne, but a divine mentor directing our lives. So how do, how do you do this? How, how do you move from, you know, being motivated for other alternatives to interacting with the divine mentor that God intended for you and I to interact with? You'll see in your outline there's the word soap. We're just going to break it down. This is one of the tools that Wayne Cordero in his book uh, mentions. First letter of the word soap is the letter S. Stands for scripture. Stands for scripture. Now, uh, let's just say it. Let's be real honest. Taking a book like this, all these different books, all these different chapters, written in a language that was not English when it was first written, I mean, it, it, it can be a daunting task. It, it, it can be overwhelming. And, and sometimes we do this where I'm just going to open it up and then point my finger and wherever you know, the, my finger lands, I'm just going to read those verses. That's not how God intended this. He wants you to have the, the scriptures. But there's also a, a way to read God's word. And, and if you would like, uh, I, first off, I would encourage you to download uh, the Bible app, version. Uh, I mean, go ahead and do it now during the service. Download version uh, to your phone. Uh, it's in your app store. But there's all sorts of Bible reading plans that you can have right there that will show you scriptures and, and point you in directions that you can read. So you open up the scripture. That's the first letter, S. The second letter is O. You, you, you write down your observations. Who, who is in this scripture? Is, who's talking here? Is this Jesus? Is this somebody else? You know, what are they saying? To whom are they saying it? When, when were they saying it? Where are they saying it? Why? How? Just answer those basic questions of who, when, where, what, why, how. And, let, and just observe what God is doing in that moment. Observe how God is using that person that you're reading about. The next letter is A for application. There's two questions that you can ask yourself that come to application. It's, what, do I, what, what can I apply for today? What would God have me know and apply to my life right now in my circumstances where I am as a result of reading his scriptures, as a result of interacting with this divine mentor? And then after that question, you ask the next question, what can I apply for tomorrow? 
Because I believe that as we read God's word, some of the things that we're reading for God's word it isn't meant for right here and right now. It's in, a, it's in a matter of preparation for where God is taking us. And so God, what would you have me apply in my future? What would you have me apply tomorrow in the weeks to come, years to come? And then lastly, you pray. You pray. Simple prayers. Doesn't have to be ornate. Doesn't have to use big words. Just simple prayers. As a matter of fact, you can even pray God's word. We're going to do that in just a moment. And just pray. Share with God your observations. Share with God your application. I want to invite you to take out your connect card. On the back of it, it says, my next step today. The very last checkbox, it says there, I would like to receive a, a, a Bible reading plan. Maybe that's you today. You want to catapult this new relationship that you're going to have with God through his divine mentor. And we'll email you this week a Bible reading plan so that you can go through this scripture and observe it and apply it and just pray. This is just one tool. You have to find what works. But if you're just starting out or you want to start fresh, start new, that's a great tool to use. Lastly, my Bible is meant to inspire me to live a life that's not possible on my own. It's meant to inspire me. God never intended for you and I to just receive him as our Lord and Savior and stay exactly where we're at. He loves us too much to allow that to happen. He thinks too great of thoughts for us to just allow that to happen in our lives. I am fully convinced that God sees us far beyond what we could ever imagine or dream of in our own lives. That he has greater thoughts for you and me. That he has a greater purpose for you and me. And that we can take hold of these plans and this purpose that God has for us and live this life that's just simply not possible without him. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11 describe this possible life that God has for us. He says, the instructions of the Lord are perfect. Reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy. Making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right. Bringing joy. Bringing joy to my heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. All of these promises. You're tired. You're worn out. You're depressed. You're in despair. God wants to revive your soul. You're living a life where you keep on making mistakes Keep on calling yourself stupid. God says, I want to make you wise. I do that with simple people. Over and over, 
God, I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure where you would have me to go. I'm not sure what is right. He gives insight for the living. That's this divine mentor that God has for us. That's what God intended for scripture to be. That's what he desires for you and I when we sit down and we interact with him through his word. All of these promises ultimately lead us to salvation. Today is your day. Today, you can hold, take hold of the promises of, of God. You, you can have Jesus as your Savior for those of you who are here today and you consider yourself far from God. You can, you can make today your day and accept the gift of Jesus. You can have access to God through the divine mentor that he has given us so that you can live a, a life far greater. You can leave here today living a life far greater than when you came in. And you don't have to do it on your own. All you have to do is accept. Accept his gift of forgiveness. Accept this gift of having God and Jesus and this divine mentor as the leader of your life. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to say, I, I choose to allow God to teach me, to direct me, to engage in my life and to point me into a direction? Here's what we're going to do. We're actually going to pray the scripture. I'm going to read Psalm, the verses we just read, Psalm 19, 7 through 11, but I'm going to read it from the message version. And I want you to make this your prayer. And if you're here today and you're far from God, make this the time where you accept him as the leader of your life. Or maybe you're here today and you've been living this life just full of guilt, lack of purpose, and you want to recommit your decision to Jesus Christ. Do it during this time of prayer. Let's pray. From Psalm 19, 7 through 11, he says, God, your revelation is whole and pulls our lives together. Your signposts are clear and point out the right road. You have given us a life map and it is right, showing the way to joy. God, your directions are plain and easy on the eyes. Your rep reputation is 24 karat gold with a lifetime guarantee. Your decisions are accurate down to the nth degree. God, we pray that your word is better than a diamond. Better than a diamond set between emeralds. We like it better than strawberries in the spring. Better than red ripe strawberries. There's more. Your word warns us of danger and directs us to hidden treasure. Otherwise, how will we find our way or know when we play the fool? Clean the slate, God, so we can start the day fresh. Keep me from my stupid sins, from thinking I can take over your work. Then I can start the day sun-washed, scrub clean of the grime of sin. These are the words in my mouth. These are the words I pray and that I chew on. Accept them when I place them on the altar of my life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, 
Check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.